Guitar Will Travel, presented by Vintage Guitar Magazine, with your host, me, James Patrick Regan, otherwise known as Jimmy from the Deadlies. And today, I'm speaking with guitarist and educator Tim Sparks. Tim is an amazing fingerstyle guitarist that has won the National Fingerstyle Guitar Championship and has a series of lessons on TrueFire.com. In our conversation, we cover what Tim's been doing during COVID. Growing up in North Carolina, studying at the North Carolina School for the Arts under Segovia protege Jesus Silva. His early influence of Duck Baker and what brought him to transcribe the Nutcracker Suite and his love of Eastern European music. We talk gear. We talk about touring in Europe and what it's like being a musician in Europe. We talk about his tour opening for Dolly Parton and his lessons on TrueFire.com. We talk about the current state of the music industry and Tim shares with us some of his future projects. Tim also shares with us playing on the Prairie Home Companion with Garrison Keeler and his friendship with guitarist Pat Donahue. You can find out more about Tim at his website, timsparks.com. That's T-I-M-S-P-A-R-K-S.com. And you can find out more about his lessons on TrueFire at truefire.com backslash educators backslash Tim hyphen sparks. Please like, comment, and most of all, share this podcast. I'd really appreciate it. And please support Vintage Guitar Magazine and all the wonderful things they do for us guitar players because they do so many wonderful things for us guitar players. Here's Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you, sir? I'm fine today. Good. How's the weather in, in Minneapolis? It's starting to be nice. Oh, good. Beautiful, cool spring weather. Been out gardening and stuff already. Really? Okay, good. It's like California. Yeah. <laughs> so currently you're you're teaching at, at uh, in Minneapolis. Well, I'm not teaching much because of the of the uh, lockdown. You know, I, uh-huh. I've been doing occasional gigs. Or, you know, uh, but things are you know they're going to open up pretty quick now. The governor today just said it's going to open up everything pretty fast. So that's really encouraging. Sure. Sure. I had a lot, I had a whole tour in Europe uh, about a year ago that got canceled, uh, and things there seem to be going slower in terms of, of people getting uh, inoculated. I talked to friends of mine in, in Italy and Germany, and it's it seems like it's going to take longer. Sure, yeah, maybe because the uh, vaccine isn't getting out there quite so fast. Yeah, right. So anyway, I mean, I I uh, I've been uh, developing repertoire and. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really happy to do these uh, this project for True Fire. I did two actually. Oh, really? Okay. I, I went down there in March and recorded them in a couple of days in the studio. So the first one that's coming out is the one I gave you. Yeah. Link to watch. Yep, exactly. And then what's the second one that you're working on? It's a series uh, called uh, Guitar Heroes, where you you pick you pick out six guitar players that were big influences on you and then what uh-huh. i did was uh i wrote a little etude in the that kind of showed some quality of their their uh music that i integrated my own playing and so there's six segments with that little etude piece and then talking about different types of riffs and stuff uh-huh. it's a it's a cool series yeah no that true fire stuff i mean you're in certainly in very distinguished company being working for true fire there's a lot of great, yeah. a lot of great. I mean, not not taking any way, anything away from you because you are a fantastic teacher and guitar player. Uh, and as a matter of fact, my I think my first exposure to you, I don't know what year it was, but was uh, your lesson in Acoustic Guitar Magazine, which was you know three decades ago at least. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. 
And uh, so I've I've only known you really as an educator. <laughs> well, and then I've I've bought your 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 CDs as well, beginning with yeah, well, the beginning with the Tchaikovsky one. Oh, cool! Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I would appreciate that. I did. I did a. Uh, I actually did a workshop out at, in California, acoustic guitars uh, offices once a few years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, I did a like a day long class. There's about a dozen people came. Oh wow! I wish I would have known about it. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you're you're doing some gigs. Where are you playing when uh, th- during the COVID? Well, they, I did an interesting gig uh, for a dinner party uh, last month uh, that had that was kind of cool. It was about a dozen people. Uh huh. Kind of impromptu, and uh, I, I, there's places I like to play around town, like music venues that uh, you know they're just kind of doing everything they can to figure out how to do it and, sure. and be be safe. I, there's one place I play, they put in a, a giant plexiglass uh, uh, wall around the stage to keep the, you know, the performers, you know, insulated. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And oh, the people uh, insulated from the performers as well. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but, you know, gradually now, you know, Minnesota's up to like 70% vaccination, so it feels oh, wow. like uh, things are kind of, are moving back to a, a much better kind of situation. More and more music venues can open up and really operate freely. And sure. I, I don't know how soon playing concerts is going to come back, but, you know, playing playing music venues at least is, you know, that's helps you keep your chops, you know, in oh, shape. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and... Yeah. Uh, educating versus performing how how what percentage of your time is spent educating and what percent is performing or is there is there is there a gray area in there as well you know that's a, that's a really good question no one's ever asked me but when i think about it it's always a component of, of a lot of the work i do like music camps or if i if i was for instance this tour i was going to do in germany i was going to do a, a residency for for three days at uh near Stuttgart that was, you know, pay really good and involved, uh, you know, doing uh, work workshops during the day mm-hmm. and then playing a concert at the end of the series. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've always, you know, I studied classical guitar uh-huh. and I, I guess because of that, I've always thought about publishing stuff I played and, and, and maybe that is, so I guess that's why there's always kind of a, an educational component to you know what I do. Yeah. For, for a while, I, I I taught. I was teaching guitar at the University of Minnesota during the back between like 2007 and 2009, 2010. Okay. Like that. For about four years, I I was doing that. Uh huh. And you grew up in North Carolina. Yeah, I grew up in North Carolina. Uh-huh. And were your parents musical? My parents were, but they didn't. You know, they didn't do music. My grandma played piano and uh like gospel piano okay uh, and, and they my family my dad's family was from um uh, the foothills of uh, north carolina piedmont right? wilkes county north carolina uh-huh. which is uh north wilkesburg is famous for for the there's a big uh, stock car racing place there and junior johnson was from there a lot of moonshiners and all that kind of <laughs> Stuff. And when did you? What brought you to the guitar? Well, I, like any kid growing up in the '60s, you know, all the music was really imbued with guitar. Yeah. So it, it, it was all all the original, all the 
indigenous music I was hearing around me, like gospel and country and bluegrass and mm-hmm. both you know, white and also black gospel music and and blues. You know, like everything from Doc West and Light and Hopkins and and then I I uh, I also I, I, in high school had this unique opportunity. I was recruited to go to school on a scholarship at the North Carolina School of Performing Arts, which was a very new school that was started in the late 60s. And I, I studied classical guitar there. Uh-huh. I went to that program there. and so. Were you previously interested in classical guitar? Not really. I didn't know much about it, you know. But uh, so I, it took, in my whole guitar interest took a sharp left turn when I when I got in, introduced to that. I, I studied with Jesus Silva, who was a a uh, protege of Segovia and, and taught Segovia's approach. And, and actually, Segovia came to the school a few times and did master classes, which I could go to, and that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, you so you actually got to see Segovia perform. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I got imbued with that that sense of, our, of of the guitar as an orchestra and the whole kind of a, a sensibility of approaching the writing for the guitar, playing it that way. Yeah. yeah. And. The, as far were you listening to pop music as well, or or? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, sure, I listen to everything. You know, Hendrix. Okay. You know, Allman Brothers. That that whole that, that whole other thing was exploding right then. So, I've, I've you know I've, I'm kind of I would say I'm a postmodern guitar player. I got that from John Zorn. You know, <laughs> but the the idea of you know everything's cool. You know, uh-huh. I'm not a snob. You know, there was a point. In guitar back then, especially that uh, it was everyone was in their own lane, you know. Sure. And uh, the classical players were were only played classical and didn't listen to anything that wasn't classical and yeah, yeah. so on. And then uh, we live in a much more interesting era, in, you know, in the last few decades where it's uh, very eclectic and people are everything and, and enjoy it all, and there's a lot more interaction. But don't you think that's oh, yeah. true? You know. What I- Oh yeah, for sure. I think you you know you you go back to to just Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page ripped off a lot of stuff from um, from sort of folkier guitar players, and uh, but but brought it to the mainstream in in a sense. And he, as likewise, he he uh, he nicked some stuff from from blues players and brought that to the mainstream as well. And I think I think that's been happening ever since then, at least. Uh, if not before that that's been happening and and uh and so we have we have a hodgepodge of of and interest wise there's there's a lot of stuff going on oh yeah you know one of my favorite uh guitar players was lenny bro uh-huh and uh in fact i i i wrote a little study with some lenny bro type chord moves and stuff up for this uh, course for i did for true fire i guess it'll come out sometime next year or later this year but uh-huh. Yeah, Lenny Bro was a guy who really borrowed from lots of different styles and kind of made a, a, a hypertext of guitar playing, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He was way ahead of... It's a pity he didn't live longer. He, I think he would have had a big revival, a big renaissance. You sure, know? sure, sure. When, when did you start performing uh, live? You know, the, when did you become uh, basically professional? Well, I, I, grad, I graduated from the school of arts. I went to high school there, and then I, I got a gig. A friend helped me get a gig playing in a funk band. <laughs> based, uh, it, they, they played, they were from Iowa, but they played a lot in Chicago. Uh-huh. It, it was 
half the guys were white guys that liked Chicago and blood, sweat, and tears, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the other half were black guys from Indianapolis, and, and, and that was all. So we played, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire. We played uh, lots of Stevie Wonder stuff from his Talking Book album that was really sure. popular. Oh, yeah. And we played uh, the Isley Brothers, and then on the same time we played, uh, you know, Chicago tunes. It was a big, it was a band with like a organ and guitar and bass and drums and horns, uh -huh. you know, front man. And uh, so that was pretty. That that's my was my introduction to professional music, and I, uh -huh. you know, that was pretty exhilarating, pretty interesting sure. music to play too. <laughs> were you playing finger style? <laughs> What's that? I, oh, I said, were you playing finger style? No, but at that point I would've been playing uh, with a guitar pick most of that. So that's like having a wawa pedal and yeah, chunking yeah. away. Yeah, you know? I, I was being funny. It wasn't. Really but funny. you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of uh, was playing like fingerstyle because I met uh, Duck Baker. Okay. Know, and I met him, and he had been living in Winston Salem in North Carolina, where I was from, and uh, uh -huh. so he had made a big impression on me. He was also a guy who who was so into Irish music and oh, John yeah. Coltrane and. Mm -hmm. You know, every, everything, you yeah. know, so I, I, I gradually kind of went back, went back to playing uh, fingerstyle music and ragtime and working out Thelonious Monk tunes and jazz and stuff. Uh -huh. And I just kind of eventually realized, that, you know, that was really more, you know, what what interested me. Sure, sure. So I, I had a band in the Twin Cities that for about a decade that did vocal jazz like started out doing like old 20s and 30s swing tunes and uh -huh. dope and stuff and then uh we did lots of Land lambert hendrix and ross and it was a pretty sophisticated jazz group but, but then i so so at the end of the 80s sometime around this when i when i hit i hit on this idea of doing the uh, nutcracker suite that was the first first record i did of just solo guitar for for peter finger and uh -huh. that's and i i guess i, ha I had a lot of i had a lot of um acquired a lot of uh, interest from playing like jazz standards and i heard in those nutcracker pieces like they were kind of like jazz standards that they weren't really long they were like little tunes you know yeah yep exactly and you you could kind of adapt them and, and do a reasonable rendition on solo guitar you couldn't get the entire orchestral thing but you could do a pretty cool you know representation of it and so yeah is that what brought you to eastern european music yeah, I'd always I'd always like liked uh, Bartok. I mean, Duck Baker had hit me to Bartok a long time ago. Uh -huh. I mean, uh, you know, other jazz guys that, that really liked him. And I, I took a trip with my wife. We went to Europe and uh, traveled all over for a while. But we went to the former Soviet Union and we went down to in the former Yugoslavia and Hungary. And, mm -hmm. and that was I was really keen to to like you know get into the, the Eastern European music, which was so weird and complicated in yeah, so many ways exactly and inspired by western asia as well yeah yeah, yeah. and th at what point did you just go go at what point point did you give up your band and go out on your own uh sometimes during the 80s okay. you know the, the late 80s the band folded and then for a few years i was just kind of jobbing around but this whole this idea of the solo guitar music was percolating, and, the, and that kind of for the first record was that 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 disc I did with mm -hmm. the Neckracker Suite and the sure. Balkan music. Yeah, yeah. And, and then that was successful, and I went over and played in in Germany and started playing in Europe. 
through a network of guitarist players and contacts that I got through Peter Finger. Uh-huh. And then that just led to a few more records. And then John Zorn got interested in my music. And that, that led to that series I did for Zodic. Uh-huh. So that's how that worked out. It, it was a pretty, pretty cool period, you know? Yeah, exactly. You've won some uh, fingerstyle uh, guitar awards. How stressful is that to to compete com, to compete on something that you uh, are? Are you feel like you're competing against yourself, or do you feel feel like you're competing against the other guitar players? Oh, well, that, down there in Winfield, that's that was really a trip. The first time I went to Winfield, I played these really great Fat Swaller tunes and ragtime pieces, and I didn't even get in the first cut. I was I was really disappointed. Uh, you know, get, winning the contest like this is like if you ever applied for an arts grant. Uh huh. It's like a it's like a roulette wheel or a crapshoot. <laughs> the the people who are judging you, I mean, their tastes can be so different depending on who that group of people happen to be. Yeah. You know? And the and the, and the, the I think the, the point is you have to be persistent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you know, next time I went down there, I played the Nutcracker pieces and uh, and I and I also played a piece I learned from a Los Lobos record that was that was really cool. Uh-huh. But uh. It was a strange trip because you know you, the, the the guitar fingerstyle guitar contest was held in a barn. There's like straw laying around. You could almost like you could smell the aroma of the cows that had been there. <laughs> and when you got up to play, it was like there was there's an old sure mic in front of you. Uh-huh. I don't even know if it was on a boom stand, and and the there was no reverb. There was no yeah. Did you, bad that is when you play, try to play acoustic guitar and, and the sound you're getting is actually subtracted a lot of the quality of the guitar yes exactly so it was stressful and you know like uh, but you just have to like step up and hit you know try to hit the ball yeah <laughs> and then fortunately for me i, I play pretty good you know? <laughs> yes you do absolutely what kind of guitars were you playing back uh, back then when like when you first when you first started out on your own well i had a mossman for a while i had uh i had when i was playing the jazz vocal jazz group i had an old 1947 epiphone zephyr regent which is a big giant f-hole guitar made out of plywood yeah yep yeah. and uh that, that was a cool guitar and i had had a les paul pickup put on it, it made it sound nice and then then i, I was playing um I had an old Martin, a 1954 old mahogany Martin that I played a lot, and uh, I did a I did a whole a couple of records with that, the Shama, and uh, one string leads to another. Uh-huh. And uh, I had I played uh, I got a Taylor for winning that contest that 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 year in uh, Winfield. Uh-huh. I used, I used that on a on a guitar bazaar, which is a record I did for Peter Finger and mm-hmm. different guitars, you know. Yeah. For the last last ten fifteen years, I've been playing a guitar made by a guy in Minneapolis named Charlie Hoffman. Okay. And it's a nice OM style Koa uh, wood guitar that I've been playing a lot. I also played a Collings for a while, which is a nice guitar. Sure, sure. Do you have much of a collection of guitars these, these days? I've got a few. I got. I still have my old Martin and uh-huh. and the and the Taylor. You know, I I tend to just play one guitar at a time a lot. Uh-huh. You know? It's like a uh-huh. And what are you using as far as pickups and stuff on your guitars? 
I'm I'm using a an electric sound hole pickup, a, a bags. Okay. I don't know if it's a rare earth or it's an older version. Might be a rare earth. I think I've had it a long time. And then I'm uh, I'm using K and K pickups under the saddle. Okay. Yeah. And I run them through a a red eye a DI box that that blends the two signals into one output. Oh, okay. Wow. That's... No, I, like that. And I'm using an earthquake. Uh, uh, digital delay that's really nice uh-huh to kind of give yourself some space some echo yeah and it seems to give the guitar a little more body in some way i, I I've, I've noticed because when i started using it uh get get much better response from people uh-huh. from <laughs> so anyway I, i'm using that to uh to uh, to, uh i use a blues man to it's a little you know fender amp yeah it's e- it's not heavy. It's easy to carry around if uh-huh. if I'm playing in clubs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and when you're when you're in Europe, what how what size venues are you playing? It varies, you know. Uh, they can be like little concert venues, little theaters. Uh-huh. G- generally, that's what they tend to be. Uh, and uh, the gigs in Europe are great. I mean, they always have been. But yeah. uh, I don't. Who knows what it'll be like now? When <laughs> it's going to come back. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes, exactly. It's kind of a. I, I think it'll come back really good. I mean, everyone, you know, will want to get out and hear music and stuff. But I don't know where the money's going to come from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a very good question, and, and only time is going to tell us here. <laughs> the, th- the thing in Europe that, that is that. Uh, Europe has this, this great kind of socialized capitalism, and the arts got were really well funded, much more so than they are in America. So every little town had a little cultural center, uh-huh. and they had got money from the from the local and the state governments to pay for their arts budgets. Sure, yeah, and uh, they could pay the artists a lot better, and uh, it was a much better system. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, you know. And, like I have friends in France, they 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 have a whole deal there that's uh, you say say you 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 show how you how many hours a week you're working performing right, uh-huh. and then they they have a scale of which they actually they also supplement your income. Wow, wow. so you're playing four or five hours a week or or ten hours or whatever, the 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 they'll the government will kick in extra money. Wow. Yeah, it's you got you got you got to actually have a legit kind of gig. You know, it's not just going down and playing at the local in the corner of the local bar, but yeah. you know. Uh, so there, that whole system is is uh, under a lot of strain. You know, in Europe right now. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Anyway, in the U.S., do you tour often? I do some. I like to come out and play in California sometimes, and uh-huh. but. Uh, and I go out and play in New York, but largely, you know, I found that I go out and play, like going and play in, play in Europe, play a lot in Germany and Italy uh-huh. and in France. Or, I just like it there. Yeah, well, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but um, so, I, you know, I, I try I try to play a mixture of, of, of concerts and residencies and, uh, you know, but uh, it's all kind of been on hold now for yeah. For this past year or so. 14 months or so. I guess like a lot of other people, just trying to pick up the pieces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when did you start working with Truefire? That's an interesting story. I, that was about 2008 or 7 or 9. I did a tour of Dolly Parton. I opened for Dolly Parton. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, it, it, she did this national tour, and I did like I, think I did uh, twelve or fifteen dates uh, with her, and um, <laughs> those are those are really interesting shows. You know, those, those were like she played like half of a sports stadium or you know really huge theaters. Sure. And uh, so I've never been intimidated about playing anywhere since then because, you know, the, <laughs> that, that was a cool experience. Yeah. How did you get hooked up with her? Uh, so a guy, in um, an agent in Minneapolis that, that was handling the tour and he'd seen me play and knew about me. Okay, good. And uh, he liked the stuff I'd done for Zodic, which is completely different than what I did with with. Uh, Dolly Parton, but you know, it wasn't. I, I had a, I had a book, booked up a bunch of uh, like roots music, uh, Mississippi blues, and playing. Uh, I was playing some Beatles tunes and Maple uh-huh. Frag and stuff. Yeah. But right after I did that tour, I went and played uh, some gigs in Ireland in the UK, and there was a guy over there who I don't know how I got to know him, but it's through the internet, and and he got Steve Elliott was his name. He he had me come to Bristol, and I did a I did a course there that he filmed, and he had a deal with Truefire. Okay. So, I kind of I backed into my relationship with Truefire, you know, uh-huh. and after the first one, you know, they they asked me to do another one. So I think I've done five for him now. Yeah, yeah. The, so. Uh, with the and the Solo Factory, that that's the that's the latest one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That it's fantastic. Did and you get to check that out yet? I didn't want to mess up with any of your settings, so I just watched the intro and okay. uh, and yeah, that's all I I didn't want to but I watched the other ones. I watched the previous ones that you'd done. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got a chance to look at it uh after the ninth when it actually goes live. I, I Okay, cool. I I would love it. That would be fantastic. I'll be to submit to you. you know, True True Fire is an interesting company to me. I mean, in the last four or five years the worst thing has happened is the the is the uh the labels i used to work with have really have really suffered you uh-huh. know yeah they're not they're not selling any no one's selling cds anymore that, no. that <laughs> so that's a big uh, stream of income that makes it hard for them to to uh keep putting out you know issuing releases and stuff and yeah yep it's really sad i mean i don't know I don't think people appreciate how hard it is for for musicians. Oh. The demise of the independent labels, you know. Oh yeah, that's it's it's awful. Yeah, it's and the the glut of uh, of music that's coming from people's bedrooms that may not be up to par, so to speak. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's an, it's very empowering. Everybody can be can publish now, but. You know, a, a guy who curates a record label has a certain ear and a certain yes. you know. Exactly. The sensibility and can help art can help cultivate an artist and help them be better yeah and uh so that, i don't know where we're going with all that but you know why i was gonna but the difference with true fire is you know somehow they have figured out how to stay in business and make money oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah you know, i don't know how they did it exactly uh but there's st- you know there's they're still uh they work extremely hard at it. It's a very small group of people, but uh, yeah. And do you do you interact with the students that are taking your your classes? I haven't done that much, but I, I'm I'm, you know, I'm getting more interested in doing that. I see that the True Fire is they're making the the whole True Fire uh, platform a lot more interactive. Yeah. Yep. 
right. and so I anticipate doing that more. I'm also going to start teaching through a, a, a platform called Melody, uh-huh. that's just getting off the ground, and it's, it's M E L O P H Y, and that's going to be uh, a thing that just puts students together with teachers to do streaming. Oh wow! So, and. Uh, I've got my, all my streaming stuff put together. So, so True Fire and the Melody, you know, they're they're doing more streaming. So I'm just in the process now, starting to get get try to get that all together. Yeah, and you mentioned that they're doing good business. Is it lucrative for you? Is are you? Is, does it pay? Does it pay most of your bills doing the True Fire stuff? True Fire pays pretty good, and and it's the only things that's still paying really good. I mean, at this point, I, you know, I've got two albums worth of music I've gotten together in the last, you know, through this lockdown, but I, I'm trying to figure out well, who's going to release it. Yeah, exactly. It. Exactly. You know, it used to be, you made money off your recordings. Now <laughs> it's a, a recording's kind of like a, it's a thing to, to, to help you do live gigs. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the tables have turned, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And you're lucky if you, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can sell at your concerts. You can sell, sell CDs and, and merch, but someone who's lesser known, uh, would have a hard time selling any CDs at, at their concerts. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of at the end of the arc of my career. I, and I, I, I really, I feel for young people who have been students of mine and stuff who are, really good musicians and trying to get some traction. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a much, much tougher world. It seems to me. Yeah. And it's, it's insanely more competitive because there's like so many more really good performers. Oh yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot. Well, I think there's always been a lot of good performers with the advent of YouTube and being able to, uh, <laughs> to, to see every, you know, when when you and I were growing up, it was a matter of listening to the records and picking things out one note at a time, and it was a little slower process. But now it can be very fast. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's the the information is so much more available, everybody. And, and ultimately, that's a really good thing. It's just yeah, it, it's going to be something completely different going forward. You know, like okay, hard for me to imagine what's going to be like. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, there's there's a lot of mysteries <laughs> lying ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, but but there, but there's so much more information available to everybody about oh, yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, and and you mentioned streaming. I mean, you can listen to, you know, you can listen to anything, anything your heart desires. If if you listen to this conversation that we're having right now, and you you mentioned Duck Baker, you can go to Spotify or YouTube and type in Duck Baker, and you're gonna. You are going to uh, find every, you're going to find a lot of information. Yeah. And likewise, if people want to find out about Tim Sparks, they can just type it in, and they're going to find a lot about Tim Sparks as well. That's right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, and I've noticed uh, you know, like I meditate, right? Uh huh. And so I usually, you know, in the morning I, I do a meditation and I put on this um, this white noise. It's like an ocean sound. You know, uh-huh. in my headphones that I find on YouTube, uh-huh. right? <laughs> so now I've found that every time I open up my YouTube thing, the the algorithm is is kind of suggesting things to me based uh-huh. on stuff I've looked at. Oh, yes, and, and it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. It's like the the algorithm is like you know, kind of 
figured out what stuff that would, might be cool for you to do or learn about, and it is cool, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's good that you don't... Do you, <laughs> do you have grandkids? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't let them get on your YouTube. Otherwise, you're going to be listening to Baby Shark. <laughs> no, the alg- algorithm is... is uh, I, I, it, it definitely brings things for, forward that uh, you wouldn't normally you you wouldn't be n- normally exposed to, and and I'd say eighty five percent of the time it's something that I'm interested in listening to, so so or, or watching for that. Yeah, absolutely. So there's something spooky about that, but it's it's <laughs> not unpleasant, you know. Yeah, yeah. The robots are taking over the world slowly. <laughs> <laughs> And and you so you mentioned meditating, but uh, is there anything else you do to when you're not playing guitar? You know, I do stuff for my wife because we're 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 stuck in the same house here. So <laughs> yeah, it's always got stuff to do. But like uh, anything to to pass the you know for your spare time, uh, do you uh, are you into cars or anything? No, I you know I, I I've been doing my a lot of my music and like I said I'm I got a bucket list of things I'm trying to finish. I uh, got a huge, huge project of uh, arranging uh, music by by Stravinsky and Shostakovich and Prokofiev, these three modern Russian composers. Oh, wow. I, I got a whole record's worth of solo guitar adaptations of that music. Uh-huh. And I'm just, <clears throat> you know, I'm just, I'm just concentrating on that. Or, you know, I just did a, a thing for a, a doing guitar for some theater piece here in Minneapolis, and I just did it. I never went in the studio because of the COVID. I just did it, you know, on my yeah. on my uh, computer here and and sent the files back and forth and uh-huh. stuff like that. Yeah, you had an opportunity to perform with uh, Garrison Keillor in a Prairie Home Companion. How many times did you do that? I don't know. And you know, over the over the years, probably a dozen times or so. I can't remember. You know. Yeah. How was how was that experience? Well, it was. I think it was really great. I yeah. mean, Garrison's kind kind of an odd guy, but. You know, he's juggling the whole show, and they and he wrote a lot of the, a lot of it on the fly. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. He was really a lot of it was in the moment. Um, Pat Donahue's a really good friend of mine, and uh-huh. I've known him for you know since we were both in our twenties. And you know, I think Pat Donahue actually t- introduced me to Lenny Bros music. Okay. Wow. You know, uh, I, I've always admired his stuff, and uh-huh. get together and play gigs together sometimes. So. What's weird about the Perrin Companion is the way it's just, just disappeared. Yeah. And it's weird. It's like, like the Soviet Union or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. They, they take you out of the photograph, you know? <laughs> well, if nothing else, at least Garrison Keillor is uh, is proactive on YouTube. Yeah, he posts some videos there of old shows and, and, and some more recent performances that he does when he's on tour. Yeah, I, I don't, I, you know, I was shocked that, that, that Life From Here got canceled. Yeah. Yeah, I was really. I thought that was a terrific show. Well, I'd like to stay in touch with you. It's nice to meet you. And, likewise, likewise. You know, I appreciate your interest, and oh um, yeah, you know, I look forward to hearing your music. I'm gonna check you out now. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Okay. I'll definitely. Do. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, man. Okay. Have a great uh, 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 evening. All right. You too. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Ciao. Bye bye. 
Thanks for listening to How Guitar Will Travel. You can catch up on all the things I'm doing at thedeadlies.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms as well. And please support Vintage Guitar and all the wonderful things they do because they do many, many wonderful things for us guitar players. Thanks. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye.